This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little crumpets. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, I wanted to say a few words. Like, how about this iTunes comment of the week? Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments and don't forget to click five stars. Okay, the title is Thank You, and it is from Sergeant Smiles. A few weeks ago, I uprooted myself from where I grew up and moved away from my family and friends for a job and to be closer to my new unit, parentheses, Army National Guard. I work, sleep, and miss human contact like crazy. Your podcast has gotten me through every long, tough, and lonely day. You truly are my new best friend, and I can't express how grateful I am for your advice, insight, and jokes. Thank you for brightening my day. Thank you for brightening my day by saying all of that. Um, and I'm going to read another one because because there's a lot that are great in here. And um, and uh, why only read one when I can read two? Okay, this one is from B. Spitty. This podcast is one of my favorites. I love downloading and listening to it every Monday. Allison is very down-to-earth and funny, just what you want in a new friend. Excuse me, new best friend. She also has great guests on every week. The only other thing that could make it better is a little more Gary in it. Thanks for making my miserable Mondays at work better. Thank you. And Gary, if you're listening, which I know you are. Okay, I just revealed right now that I'm recording this and Gary is elsewhere. Um, Sometimes we record these together. But I'm letting you guys behind the curtain. Anyway, Gary, there's a request for more of you. So there you go. And if you want your uh, iTunes comment to possibly be read as the iTunes comment of the week, then leave a good comment on iTunes. And how about clicking five stars? I mean, whether you think it deserves it or not. I think we could all agree it does, but I'm just saying, what does it hurt, you know? Um, Okay. Also, I want to talk to you guys about GoToMeeting, one of my favorite sponsors. It's... I was going to say it's summer, but it's not. It's the end of summer. Summer is winding down. You're probably at some kind of bonfire or some kind of barbecue, some kind of end of the summer jam. You might be um, on an island somewhere. You might be at an island, the restaurant. You might be buried in the sand. You could be at a limbo. You might be winning a limbo contest. And right as you're sliding under that limbo pole, limbo bar, whatever it is that people limbo under, you get an email or a call from work and they want you to come into the office for a meeting to sit down with other people that you don't like and they smell and they might have crust in their eye and you don't want to see that up close. No, that would totally mess up your end of the summer, end of summer I haven't decided whether summer is officially ended or if we're just winding it down. I think I feel like I'm winding it down, but I know that it's officially ended. Regardless, you don't want to have to leave whatever you're doing, like drinking a, um, you might be drinking some kind of flaming drink with two straws, sharing it with a potential lover. You don't want to have to do that to go have a meeting. Hell no. That's why you need go to meeting because you can have a meeting with your coworkers, those same ones who have crust in their eyes and who smell, uh, from the protection of behind your computer screen or your iPad. You can just download the Citrix app on your iPad and then you can do it that way. You can get everything done that you would do if you had gotten to the office. However, you don't have to 
actually be physically in the same space as them. And I think we can all agree that that is a wonderful thing. Go to meeting by Citrix with HD faces. You can see each other crystal clear. You can hear each other. You can work on documents. Well, Gary and I have used this. Um, and every time we use it, we think this is amazing. And then actually I've admitted before that when I, uh, stop using it and then just go back to emailing, I feel a little lonely. It's kind of a letdown because, um, it really is like hanging out with people, but this isn't about not being lonely. That's my problem. This is about working efficiently and conveniently and being able to host meetings from wherever you are, because let's face it, you jet set, or even if you don't, you're lazy. You just don't want to have to go into the office. That I know we can all agree on. Uh, that's why you need GoToMeeting. Work smarter this summer with GoToMeeting with HD Faces. My listeners, that's you guys can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and use the promo code Allison. Be sure to use the promo code Allison. Um, and I would like to know if any of you guys have signed up for this uh, free trial and you are loving it, let me know because I'm loving it. And then we can bond over our loving it-ness. Okay. Also, I want to talk to you guys quickly about Squarespace. Um, Squarespace is a way to design and create a website and you won't be pulling your hair out because if you ever tried to make a website in the old days where you have to code and then you type in a bunch of stuff and then you look at the website and you're like that thing is running into that other thing and the picture is on top of the words and that's not at all how it is supposed to look then you know that Squarespace is what you need the new Squarespace because you can drag and drop and there's all sorts of functionality built in. The website that you create will look amazing on a computer or on a phone or on an iPad or on um, an array of mobile devices. It just kind of automatically makes itself look great on those. And you can you can uh, upload all your social media. So you can have Instagram go in there and Facebook and all the various social media that you're on. It's basically one of the most efficient and awesome ways to design a website these days. Um, so that is why you need the new Squarespace. So go to squarespace.com slash best friend for a free trial. Sign up for a free account. No credit card needed. Just try it out and start building your website. And then if you decide to purchase it, use the offer code best friend nine. I know that before it was best friend seven and then it was best friend eight, but now in this month we are best friend nine and get 10% off your first purchase on new accounts, which includes monthly and annual plans. Don't forget about your free domain registration with annual plan subscription. That's pretty exciting. Uh, that's squarespace.com slash best friend and use the offer code best friend nine. And by the way, current Squarespace customers can convert their accounts and content to the new Squarespace whenever they choose, or they can keep their site in the current Squarespace code. And I I said before, but I'll say it again because it bears repeating. That was redundant. Um, all of these sponsors where there's a promo code, they are tracking who signs up for the free trials via my website or via, sorry, via my podcast. So if you enjoy the show and you want to help it out, how about signing up for these free trials? Because you will get a great product and I will get great sponsors. Um, and then we'll all be happy. Okay. And also, I forget if I said it in this episode or not, so uh, I'm just going to say it right now. Again, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, why not click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com, because it uh, does not cost anything more for you, but it helps out the show as well. So do that. Um, I love you guys, and please enjoy this episode with Mike Kaplan. It's a little bit different than the other ones, but uh, I think that you'll find it, 
I hope you'll think it's fascinating. I definitely did. I, um, I'm trying to think whether... Well, no, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it right now. He is into non-monogamy and polyamory. So that that's officially my first non-monogamous interviewee on this show. And it uh, definitely... I was thinking a lot afterwards. So I hope you will too. Uh, I love you. Here is the episode with Mike Kaplan. Allison. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it's me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. My guest today is none other than Mike Kaplan. And some of you who have been longtime me fans who remember my Ustream show may remember Mike because he was a guest. He was in my living room. We were talking to a computer, and now we are 3,000 miles away from that living room in Los Angeles, and he is sitting directly in front of me, and I'm not doing this in the Adam Carolla studio. I'm doing this in a different studio, and it's weird, but I think that together we are going to be able to get through this. Mike, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me here at this weird place. Yeah, I know. Thank you for uh, meeting me at this weird place and for coming up with this weird... I mean, let's just be real. Let's explain what happened. You emailed me, and then I emailed you back, and you said you were starting a podcast of your own, which, throw out the name. Hang out with me. Is that like a, are you um, demanding they do that? Are you requesting they do that? You know, I mean, you you can read it. Are you suggesting it? I am. I mean, it sounds like an order. Is it like, hang out with me? Yeah, I, it's there's no punctuation, so you can oh, add wow. your own flavor to it. It's like a it. text message, You're no impr- punctuation. Yeah. Hang out with me, hang out with me, hang out with me. I need an emoticon to know how to regard that. S- smiley face, definitely. Yeah, okay. like, I mean, exclamation point, period. Right, hang whatever, out with me. whatever you want it to be. Period. So you're starting a podcast, and you're in town, and you asked me to be on your podcast, and I said... Well, why not you be on my podcast? And then we just did your podcast. It was very fun. And I was worried before I got here today. I was worried what happens. Like, how do I ration out the compelling commentary? Ha. I mean, I, I'm able to manufacture sort of an unbelievable amount. But I was like, what if stuff comes up in the first one and then I want to reuse it in the second one? And I, that's why I wrote to you wondering who, who's going to go first because oh, yeah. I just was worried about recapitulating but you know what? If that happens, whatever, because yours is not coming out till February, and by that you mean September. It's true. It should be starting in September of 2012. I don't know when you're listening to this right now, listeners, but this is really great so far because on my show when we recorded it, we you, didn't, didn't, you didn't express any of this worry I at know. all. That's, my podcast is mostly about me expressing my fears. And you and did you did that a little bit because we were talking about horror movies. Right, on mine. Yeah, I did, but, actually. But and, the reason my... for that guy, for that, what, is gone now. The guy. Right. There the was guy. A, there was another the guy. guy. Yeah, the yeah. writer of Final Destination 1 and 2, who was told that he looks like an ethnic Michael J. Fox. Or Absolutely. no, he's an ethnic, his agent told him he's an ethnic Michael J. Fox type. At which point, a lot of us, I make it sound like this is in front of a, a live lot audience. of us in the room. The majority of people in the room, by that I mean I probably two of the three or three of the three, were like, wait, how does that work? And I think it's because he's um, sort of exotic, but smart alecky, and maybe the guy next door. And, you know, non-threatening, you know. Yes. Yeah. You're right. He's black, and I wasn't afraid of him. Well, you know what? He's not even black. He's He's darker. He did not know what he was. 
That's right. He, we asked him what race he was, and he said, adopted. I think that makes him unassuming and therefore not scary. I hope people realize I'm joking. He, <laughs> do, do you have fans who think that you're serious all the time? Yeah, I, I generally feel understood by about 85 to 90% and like grossly misunderstood by the, uh, by the remaining. Fair enough. By the 15 to, to 10. But yeah, we learned, I know now about you, that you are too afraid of horror movies to see many of them. That's correct. But you are not afraid of people of color because you sat right next to one. That's right. I shook his hand in everything. Yeah. I know. So Mike Kaplan, let's catch me up on you. Uh, when you did my show originally, you um, had done Last Comic Standing, and I think you had. I'm pretty sure you had. I still have, so. Yeah, okay. It's definitely in and the past you're from a, now. You're, well, you are, and you were a comedian, yeah. and a vegan, and an atheist, and you were in a relationship. Are you still? I am probably in a different relationship. Oh, look at you! I'm, I'm you in rapscallion. I'm frequently in a relationship, uh, and then we can get in. Uh, what? I will number one to address the first couple things. I actually don't love labels anymore. I mean, I do eat. I am a vegan, but the, when you say you're a vegan, that often brings up in people like, "Oh, I hate this guy." I'm like, "No, don't hate this guy. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Look, why are you saying that? I'm right. just eating vegetables. I, I'm not. I'm not making you eat vegetables. You're judging me yeah, with your no. vet. No, you take a bite of a carrot and you judge me for my leather shoes, I'm my happy. leather watch strap. I'm happy. The gel, the the hooves in my gelatin. Yeah. If I live longer because of this, like that's fine with me. If I don't, you think if you, you're better than me. If you kill me because of it, then I don't live longer. So I know anything can happen. I'm okay. I just I feel good uh, being, you know. So I, wait, did you embrace the label before though? I mean, I the label is it's an accurate label, but I'm just saying labels come with connotations. So yes. I always like to give a little disclaimer. Same thing with atheist. Like I've talked about this a lot too. Yeah, on your on your fo- your Twitter bio, I think you say an open-minded atheist. Yeah, that's. I think I say you know like non-douchey vegan, open-minded atheist. Uh, you know, like likable non-monogamist. I don't know. Uh, that sort of like. All these things that people will be like, no, that's not the way to be. That's a, I am a... So you're a polyamorous creep who doesn't eat meat and thinks you're better than everyone and doesn't believe in God? Legitimately, I, I, I like the word polyamory, but I don't think it applies to me exactly. Like, non-monogamy, I think, is a larger... Because uh, like, that could cover swingers, which aren't necessarily polyamory. Like, polyamory, I, I think of the prototypical, like, a, a, a person, another person, another person. Like, they could all be in a relationship together. There could be one relationship right. and then I've, side I've relationships. I've seen MTV's true life about it. And, like, there's definitely, I think there's a lot of bad press about it because bad press is what gets press. Like, mm-hmm. when there's, you know, Sage. when there's bad things happening, that's what's in the news. Like, the weirdo, like, you know, I'm as a vegan, like, people are like, what do you think of PETA? I'm like, I think they yell a lot and do a lot of weird things and that there's a lot of people who believe the same things that I do and act the same way that I do, but don't, like, get out there in everybody's face and, you know, they're just doing it quietly. The same way, mm-hmm. like, pot is has been smoked by about half of the people in our country and it should be legal but it's not because most of the people that are doing it are just regular people who are like it doesn't need to be it's fine i just do it nobody has to know about it i just do it in my house it's good like the same thing with poly like polyamorous the ones who are like hey put me on tv hey i'm gonna talk i mean i'm i'd like to i talk about it in my act but i'm talking about i'm trying to just express my re what i think of as reasonable views of like it's basically just about honesty and openness and communication. And monogamy doesn't work for at least half of the people, in, you know, marriage-wise. 
Uh, I'm not saying that everyone should be. Maybe maybe you haven't found, quote unquote, the right person. But and, and if it's more important to you that a person that you're with not be with another person or you not be with another person, then you can have that. You should do what you want. There's no one way to be, but you should figure out if, like, I was in a string of serial monogamous situations, which worked fine. I got married. I was married for three or four years. I uh, thought maybe you had been married. Were I you had, married when I knew you? Oh, yeah. I got married. I was married, like, eight, nine years ago mm-hmm. until, like... Uh, three years, same three or four wife. years after that. Uh, same wife the whole time? Yeah, same wife the whole time. Yeah, I, At that point, I mean, actually... You're not first, a serial husband. No. Uh, I, I was the one who was more uh, op- opposed at that point to... Like, my, my wife uh, actually introduced me to the concept of polyamory and non-monogamy, and I was initially... Not a, not a, How like, no. did that go that she introduced you to it? I mean, she, she had basically just told me that... That it was a thing. I mean, I was like, I hadn't really heard. You know, it was like I was young. I was in my early to mid twenties. What What is the definition of polyamory? I mean, it means literally many loves is all. Which, when you think about, obviously, love means many things. Like nobody is like, hey, you can only have one best friend. You, you can have one best friend. Yeah, possessive but, best friend. But is. you could be like, I have two best friends, mm-hmm. or these are my friends. I don't have to rank my friends. I mean, it makes the best friend I, necklace difficult, but I get it. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, everybody's your new best friend. You're everybody's. New I best am. Friend. Yeah, I'm a slut in that yeah, way. With you're my a friendship. poly friend. <laughs> I, I am. Uh, Why does that make it sound like I have a lot of orifices? Uh, that you, you do. I mean, I have the normal amount. Okay. I like to think. But no, that's anyway, fine. then everyone has a lot. It's great. Yeah. We all have a lot. But of orify. Yeah, friends. Here's the thing about friend. Obviously, friendships you can have as many as you want, and as long as there's time to spend with all the friends. Like most of the time, a friend is, doesn't get jealous. Some friends get jealous. But it's a normal, it's a normal thing, and it's fine. And it doesn't mean you're not friends with that person unless they're a jerk, and then you stop being friends with mm-hmm. them. Like same thing with family. Like you can love your either both of your parents, you can love your siblings, you can love your cousins. Nobody's like you. But but who do you? Who's your right. primary? Who's love? your favorite child of all your children? Exactly. No one expects you to answer that. But for romantic sexual love, like people have this idea that like oh, but that has to be only one person. And there, it doesn't have to be. Like, you can't... So many people have loving feelings for more than one person at a time. Whether or not you act on those feelings all the time, like, you choose what you do. And if you know that it'll hurt somebody to be with somebody else, then you can decide not to do that. But if you have two people in a relationship that both agree, hey, you making out with a stranger, or you, if you're far away, you're traveling, and you hook up with somebody that you're never going to see again, or that you may see again, or whatever the case is, if they're far, you know, it doesn't have to be far away. Everybody can make their own rules about what might and might not bother them. Like, and I, can, I decide, like, oh, I think that living, the thing that seems unnatural to me, and when I say unnatural, I mean, if, if it works for you, then great. But for right, me, but for you. I don't think I could only be with one person forever. Like, if I'm living 50 more years, uh, that's 50 years with one person to have sex with. Sound That sounds crazier than... I mean, so that initially I was like, serial, serial monogamy sounds to make, seems to make sense, but also the idea of being with a person and building a life and having that comfort and best friendship and companionship that comes along and the security of building a life with a person, like, that's appealing. I'm like, can I do both? Can I build a life with somebody and then simultaneously be like, but also I'm, we're humans and are going to be attracted to other people. Why should we not acknowledge that? Uh, like, I don't know if you, do you listen to or read Dan Savage? Um, a, I, a I, li- Savage I read love. him. Yeah. Savage Love. It's a podcast and a he column. He invented the initial connotation of Santorum. He did. And, and he coined the term monogamish. Like, oh, yeah. He's in right. a, I think uh, he was on Colbert. 
talking about this, and Colbert was like, how many times have you cheated? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, many, how many cheatings have there been in your marriage? And Dan was like, is it cheating if you're both on the opposite side of the same person? And stuff like that. And I think he had said in, like, you know, 15 or 17 years, there had been, like, Would nine... Would that be head and foot or front and back? I... I don't know what they do. Yeah. I look. He, he's he's a little private about actually what uh-huh. what the specifics. Well, it's interesting on. because um, a gay couple, oftentimes the question is, are, do they have an open relationship or not? Um, but then a straight couple, it's assumed that they are monogamous, which I think is more and more these days becoming like less like for younger people, less the I, the concept of non monogamy and polyamory is out there more like. And it is, you know, quote-unquote weird to most people. But there are people, like I said, silently doing it. Like sleeper swingers or, like, people that have their relationship and it works. Like, if you see somebody out with somebody that's not their wife or husband or partner, like, you don't necessarily know. Like, maybe they have an agreement where that's allowed. See, I have often been on the receiving end of overtures from people that it turns out they might uh, have a wife or have a girlfriend. And I I just think, really, you fuckhead but i there are a few times that i've gotten the sense that actually maybe this wouldn't break up their relationship it still wouldn't work for me because i would get emotionally involved and i don't want to do that sure but i mean maybe those are situations where it is okay and yet i can't help but think um there's something fundamentally and this shows that our, our different view of this and maybe my mind will be opened and changed, but... I will do that. I can't... Okay, thank you. I can't help but think there's, there's something fundamentally off about their... Or missing or um, broken in their relationship that has led them to this. Let me say, uh, number one, I'm not going to try to talk you into being a, a part of a lifestyle that you don't want oh, good, to be. good, I have a headache. Yeah. I mean, I, my girlfriend's cool. Uh, <laughs> but legitimately... You're correct that certainly there are people who are in broken relationships and try to open it up, and it's not, maybe not what both of them want. Like, if, if that's the case, like, it, for it to work, it has to be based in honesty and, op- and openness. Because it just seems to me like it's like putting your fingers in the flame and eventually something's going to burn. And maybe that's how you figure out the rules of it. But, like, at what point do you go, oh, it, it is hurting me to think of my spouse or my significant other with someone else. Like, I'm picturing it, and I don't want to. Well, here's the thing. Like, there's some couples for whom sex... There's some couples for whom maybe one of the partners doesn't value sex as much. Like, there are people with... Libidos are vastly different. So if a high libido person marries a low libido person, if the low libido person is reasonable, mm-hmm. like, and the high libido... Like, they want the high libido person to be happy. They love them. But the low libido person... Sex is not as important to them. They don't want to have it as much. If they're like, if you need to go have sex with somebody... Because sex is not an important thing to me, so why would it be important that you're doing... You're just meeting this physical need to allow us... Like, the same way, nobody gets everything from one person. Right. Like, you still have your friends when you're in a relationship. Like, you might, you know, you don't... You Obviously, you hope to have as many things in common with your partner. Though, actually, here, having different interests makes couples last longer. You know, they oh, maybe have more to talk about. But the idea, you have to be compatible... In, in all the ways that are important to you. Like, if a sense of humor is important, if physical attraction is the most important, if, you know, if emotional... Whatever the case is, there are couples out there for sure, and they're the ones that you don't hear about. The ones where it's working completely, like, it, in a situation where if a guy came up to you and said, hey, my, uh, my wife is at home, but I'm, it's, tonight's my night to go have sex with somebody, you could be like, can I, can I verify that? 
I'd like, be like, can I tweet about this? Because what the fuck? Yeah, I mean... Can I verify that? And like, then how do I do that? I mean, sometimes you could be like, could I talk to your wife and make sure that you're not a lying asshole? And then most of the time, I mean, the agreement, usually, he should be able to be like, yes, that's cool, because I don't want you to think I'm a lying asshole if I'm not one. I mean, there are some times when people have like a don't ask, don't tell kind of situation, mm-hmm. which, if you look back, going back decades, there were always like... Yes, it was that's a, it was, called an affair. It was Right. It wasn't... It would be an affair, but people would assume it. I mean, you know, like in other countries, people, it, it's a much smaller deal. Like in France, you know, like somebody, the president dies and the wife and the mistress come mm-hmm. to the funeral and everybody's like, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a necessity to the pair arrangement, to the marriage thing a while ago, which has really fallen away. And there were all these forces, I think, holding people together, you know, financial and, and otherwise. And now... I think it's that if you love someone and you want to be with them, you get married. And therefore, if it becomes untenable, you probably don't stay married. That's the thing, definitely. I mean, obviously, there's more divorce now than there was before. and uh, But there also are these, there are still companionate marriages, not necessarily like yes. arranged marriages. Yeah. But people who, you know, they have kids and they're like, we do, we like each other. We're friends. We're not a couple anymore necessarily. Right. We work well together. But yeah. And in that situation... They could be like, well, yeah, we do these things together, and we do these things separately. I just wonder if there's not resentment at the core of that. I don't think there needs to be. I mean, if there is, it should be addressed and brought mm-hmm. up and pe- have people be honest about it. Like, I've had relationships uh, in the past few years where, when, since I've, like, decided that this is sort of an important thing for me to a- acknowledge and live and talk about. And, I mean, ultimately, if I, sh- if I share it with somebody and they're like, not for me, then great. Or if they're like, I'll try it, and then if... A few months down the line or a few years down the line, they're like, not for me. What's the percentage of those for whom it, they say, like, how often do you strike out when proposing this? I mean, I haven't done it to too many people. Uh, like, I have a girlfriend now who is down, and the, the girlfriend before that was down to try it, and then, uh, like, almost... D- DTT. Uh, yeah, DTT. It's a Jersey, Jersey Shore <laughs> reference. Go ahead. Uh, and, and the girl before that... Like, I think one a girlfriend that I lived with for a few years, we had a thing where I was like, this is sort of what I want to head towards. And she's like, I don't know if I want that now, but maybe, like, let me know when it's pressing. And <laughs> uh, sincerely, like, we had a thing where she was like, yeah, I mean, if we, like, go out, if, you, if you're on the road and you make out with somebody, or even if, like, she's like, if a groupie wants to blow you in a bathroom, that's fine. Like, because for her, that was, like, not intimate, you know, non-intimate contact with somebody that I would never see again. Uh, but, you know, she didn't want me, like, taking a girl back to my hotel room and, like, you know, and making love, you know, mm. or what, whatever. Like, I mean, she was, like, a re- I think a reasonable person. And she was like, yeah, kissing, fine. Like, non-intimate stuff, fine. But don't have sex with somebody. Was that like, easy for you to work within that framework? For a while. And then, I mean, ultimately, we were together several years. And that was one of the things that ultimately I was like, uh, I, this is not where I want to be forever. What do you think about this? And she was like, I don't want it to be... I don't want to go where you want to go. And so that was one of the reasons. We also had some other incompatibilities. But that, this, uh, this is the one after the wife? Uh, there were a few after the wife. How and, long ago did you get divorced? Uh, in like, I think I got married in like 2004, 2005, and it was like 2008-ish. Oh. So between, okay, so then when I, when I talked to you, you were no longer married. No, I was not. Um, so you said that your wife was the one who introduced this to you. Yes. Can you just talk a little bit about how that actually went down? Uh, well, she was, uh, and I believe still is, bisexual, and had told me that, uh, and I don't want to reveal too many of her private life details, but uh, she had had relationships, like she generally had like relationships with men, but then she would like maybe be living with them, 
uh, but ultimately would feel herself like wanting to then date a woman or be with a woman. And she was like, is that, I, she's like, I want to be with you right now, but I understand this about myself. Can we maybe work with this? And it, initially I was like... And that was like when you met her, you, you knew this. She yes. put her cards on the table. Okay. Correct. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. It sounds not... At the time, I was like, I'd never heard anything really like it happening in my life or my friends' lives. Like, I, you know, I was younger and more sheltered a little. Like, a Where little, did you grow up? I grew up in New Jersey and then went to school in Boston. And so this is all happening around the... Were your parents married? My parents got divorced when I was about 14. Okay. But they were married for like 22 years before that. And like growing up in my formative years, I was like, oh, these guys will never get divorced. You know, it was like, it was, it seemed like a very happy thing. I didn't know the inner workings of their relationship. Was it shocking when they got divorced? I guess I was, I've always been like a sort of blasé reactor. I was like, you know, I was a kid. I was like, I thought it would have been shocking, but then, you know, it seemed, I guess I know when they said it, I was like, oh, okay. I guess that, I mean, they were like really proactive about being like, you know, it's not your fault. And I was like. Yeah, of course I know it's not my fault. Like, I I was, I guess they raised me enough to, like, not, I, I, I'm sad about that there are people out there who are like, oh, it's me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess there are situations in which I people think have a kid. I think if the kids are younger often, they think that yeah. it's, because at I, that, when you're younger, you, you really do think the world revolves around you. you. You can't separate. But, and also there are times when, you know, there are times when, like, you bring a baby into the relationship to hope to be like, maybe yeah. this will help. And, and then the baby's an asshole, so you get divorced. Exactly. You're like, oh, it did the wor- did the opposite yeah. of helping. <laughs> uh, it hurt. Exactly. This is you. Do you have siblings? I have none. I am a, Okay, so you're an I only was, child. An only child. But you only... believed it wasn't your fault. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it was, but uh, they told yeah. me it wasn't, and I'm I did not. I'm going to say it's not. It. Yeah. Do you know why they split up? Uh, I mean, the story was uh, that they just grew apart, which I understand, because that's basically how my divorce mm-hmm. happened. I mean, you know, I know more in more details about mine uh but you know i knew that we weren't happy i knew that they weren't happy like and i'm not again and here's the thing i'm not so jaded that i don't think i could be with somebody and want to be with them forever like i felt that way about some people but i've also felt like i know that i will i know that in even here's the thing in a in the situation that i'm in now where i'm like i'm allowed to uh you know be physical with with strangers or with somebody that i meet like I'm not as moved to do it all the time. Like, I'm not, it's not, the pressure is off. Like, when I'm in a, when I've been in monogamous things, like, for a year or a few years, like, sometimes, sometimes you get a grass is greener kind of thing where you're like, you know, you've been with this person, so you the chemical phase of, like, being in lust all the time and everything being new and sparkly is like, you're like, I like this person, I love this person, but, and now this is our routine, this is our status quo, and, like, you meet somebody else and flirt with them, and you're like, oh, my God. And, like, people can mistake that for love and leave. People can mistake, be like, oh, I guess I, I... Here's the thing. People frequently have to take the position that you hold or the idea that you suggested that if you now are attracted to somebody else, that must mean that something is wrong. It doesn't mean that something's wrong. It means we're humans. That we're, we are... Humans are, like, historically, biologically uh, related to bonobos which are a non-monogamous primate. We are, and we are so, like, we couple like them. Like, they don't mate for, like, they actually uh, still, and, you know, for their existence, they will live in groups and packs, and they will do everything. They will raise their children together. They will have, like, orgies together. They will, it'll be, like, a, a bonding thing for everyone. Like, there is no sense of ownership or entitlement. All the children are everybody's. All the food, all the work, everything is shared in their community. And that's the way humans worked as well according to this book uh sex at dawn that i that i have <laughs> it's uh it's about the evolution of you know 
how we came to be a monogamous society, even though we are not about to call ourselves one, mm-hmm. because we're clearly, you know, mo- with most marriages, and most people do not have one partner forever. Like, that is fact. And so the question is, should we be striving for that? If you want it, then yes. But it's not morally better. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not, quote-unquote, natural. Like, you don't have to do everything that's natural. Like, being a vegan isn't natural. Like, I, somebody, I read this interesting thing that was like, you know, maybe we are naturally meant to eat meat, but, you know, the reasons that I don't eat meat are because of, you know, the torturous conditions uh, in the, a lot of the factory farms and where most of the meat comes from. Like, if animals are treated well, I have no problem with them being eaten at all. It's just the unnecessary harsh treatment. But, so I make a choice to do the unnatural thing and not eat meat. Like, so people who are like, monogamy is an unnatural choice that could be good also. Like, you know, you have, what do you get with that? You have, you, you know the paternity of your child. You know, which, if, if that's important to you, like, it's sort of a, a not, not an ego thing, but it's a thing people like sometimes. But in these, you know, the, it takes a village-style raising a kid situation, that, uh, that isn't as important to them. Like, they don't care whose child is whose, because everybody is everybody's. And so today, like, I legitimately feel like you can, as long... There's more and more people being honest about this. Uh, and it's sort of like, in a way, akin to, you brought up gay people, like coming out of a, there is sort of a closet that some people are in that I think like gay people in the 40s, right? There was no gay movement, but there were gays. And you had, you had to just try and figure out who the other one, you would be like, all right, me, you, eh, eh? And hope <laughs> that it wasn't a horrible mistake. And like today, and but now, you know, gay people, obviously there's still, it's not all resolved, but you can be gay and be in a city where you can be yourself and in public and say what you think and love who you love. And I think the same can be true eventually of, you know, like non-monogamous situations where people are like, you could have a couple and they could have a girlfriend. You can have, you know, that, it happens. There are couples like that that are together 10, 20 years. Uh, And I mean, just because a relationship doesn't, just because a relationship ends also doesn't mean it's a failure. Right. Uh, like, you know, I'm happy that I was with my wife and I'm happy for that experience. And I think that if I do decide to be with someone again, like for an extended period of time, it'll be a much more measured and calculated and, you know, informed decision based on that experience. Well, so sorry, I keep going back to this. I just want to sure, sure. just want to fill in the gap in my brain. Yeah. So your wife, you knew that she had bisexual feelings. Yes. And you didn't know if you could handle that. Yeah. So initially, she did say that she would. Right. Oh, sorry. She did say that she would be monogamous because she wanted to be with me. But we sort of, you know, I was like, great. That's what at the time we were like, great. But we did actually address the issue a couple of years down the line when we we were probably one of the couples that you know at the time like there was problems like we were just unhappy. Uh, and but part of it was like, oh, maybe it is this. She's like, maybe. If you, at, I, be, I became more okay with the idea that, oh, we're together, we're a team. And this is the way it works a lot of the times. Like, people that end up polyamorous might start being monogamous for a few years, getting to know each other, getting to be secure that you are with the person that you want to be, that you love each other, that you're there for each other, that you're not going to just fall in love with somebody and leave. Well, that's, that's a question. That's something that people always ask, like, what, aren't you worried that yeah. your partner could leave? The answer is, your partner could always leave. If you're monogamous, yeah. your partner can leave. And legitimately, I feel... Having the option, having a partner who's like, yeah, have sex with somebody, uh, that's fine, uh, but we're together. And you're like, of course, I'm with a partner that lets me do that. I'm not going to leave for just a person that I think, you know, because you could have this lust for, even, even if you have like a relationship flare up 
for like six months, and they can be like, all right, now that's run its course, and I'm and you're doing your thing, and we just care about each other. Like the like again, like the same way that friends, like you don't, you know, oh, you you met a new person, you're hanging out with that person, go for it. We're still friends for twenty years. We're not going to stop being friends unless there's a reason to. So did you start having an open relationship with your wife? We did a little bit. And how'd uh, that go? It didn't go great. Uh, like we we both did a little. Like the, because we we didn't figure out exactly what rules that would make us both happy necessarily, mm-hmm. because she wanted to you know I was I was fine with her dating women at this point I was like yeah that doesn't bother me. And so did it genuinely not bother you, or were you trying to save the marriage? No, I ge- le- le- legitimately. I mean, I definitely was trying. I was trying to make her happy, mm-hmm. but it really, I t- you know some people might think like, hey, well, isn't it cool that your wife is banging chicks? And I'm like, kind of like I kind there is that sort of sexist. Yeah, but, you know, it's a very no, it's a common. Right, uh, I mean, thing it, that people are into, and people are like, it's. I think people are more understanding. Like, if you were like, "Hey, would you rather your wife hook up with a woman or a man?" Pro- like, there's something that seems less threatening yes. about like not the thing that I am. Right. Why? Why would you need another me? You know, even <laughs> though ev- not every man is the same, not everyone. So now, I mean, where I'm at now is a place where I'm like, be with a man, be with a woman. Like, I want, I want you to be happy. I want me to be happy. I want us both to have this capacity. Uh, and if at any point. It, you know, we share something and it bothers us or something. You talk about that. Like, jealousy is a part of it. Like, you, I mean, jealousy is, like, it could be a part of friendship. Like, it could be a part of family. It's, but you, if you have one person who is the most important to you, like, you make the time for them and you have your thing and you talk about everything. And, like, you know, if for whatever reason you could be like, that person's off limits. That person bothers me for whatever reason. Great. Like. Well, so what happened? Uh, we, we, like, I think decided that I could, you know, not date people because that didn't seem... Like, I could date men if I wanted, but I didn't want to. Uh, but she was like, yeah, you can, you know, if you want to, like, make out with somebody, hook up with somebody. Like, I don't know if we were super vague or specific about it. Like, it's good to be specific. Mm-hmm. Like, ultimately, if you're going to do this, it's good to be like, what can I do? What can't I do? Let's decide in advance. Do we tell each other? Don't we tell each other? What do we share? How do we, how do, we do this? Like, that's where I'm at. I've learned since then. But at the time, it was a little vaguer, and I think I made out with somebody, and I told her, and she got a little upset, and she was like, let's stop for a little bit. And then that sort of, in me, like, then everything sort of dropped out, and I realized that I was unhappy also, and this thing did seem like, I wasn't just doing it for her, I was like, I want this too. And, but then we decided that, okay, we're going to stop, and we're going to go into therapy. So we went to couples therapy for a few months, and then individual therapy, and ultimately came to the decision that, like, we just weren't a match. We weren't compatible. Were the therapists... Uh, amenable to the openness? We went to one who was, like, we. I was uh, in school, in grad school at Boston University. We went to the... Like, for grad school for what? Uh, for linguistics. Mm-hmm. We went to the health center, the mental, they had a mental health center, and we could, you know, where I could go because I had, like, student insurance. Right. And we, it was, like, an old man who was our first, the first guy that we went to, I think. And he, we were, like, we didn't feel it with him. We didn't get, he wasn't on board with, uh, we just didn't click. You know, it's like that Malcolm Gladwell blink thing, which is like, if you go, if you meet somebody and they're, if if you don't feel right, even if they seem like they should be okay, go, find somebody else. You'll find somebody that you click with. So we went to like, we were in Massachusetts, so we went to like, Cambridge is a very like, you know, hippy-dippy city, Mm -hmm. hippy-dippy, hippy-dippy city. It's a city, not a city. Um, And so we went to this specific, like this Cambridge place where, you know, there was this sex positive uh, woman that was our therapist, and so yeah, we talked about everything. Did you bone her? Just kidding. I wish. <laughs> um, did I? Did she? Who? Maybe she made me forget. Who knows? But yeah, we went to her, and then I went to a separate guy on my own, and she went to somebody separate, I think, on her own. And so, in like the individual therapy that I did, I could be like as you know, 
as free, let everything out. Because even when you're in couples counseling, like you're still there's that weird dynamic of like, what do I what do I say? What don't I say? I don't want I want to be honest, but I don't want to hurt somebody. What is necessary? And so I I figured a lot of it out on my own. I'm like, I don't think that we're going to be together. And then we we both came back and I remember I was think we were in a diner when we were like, Yeah, I think we're not going to do this. And she, it was mutual ish. I don't remember exactly who. I, I mean, it could have been me. It could have been her. But we ultimately definitely both agreed. Mm-hmm. And we are still friends. Like, we, I, she still lives in Massachusetts. And I'll go hang out with her. Like, you know, every few months, I'm up there. So what? Wait, hang out, meaning what? Like, have dinner. Oh, like, if there's no... No sexual anything But could anymore. you be? I don't think so. I mean, she is, she is with a guy now, I think, in a monogamous situation. Uh, who is cool, and I've met, I've had dinner with them both at their house, and like I am not, like I I am not sexually interested in her mm. anymore. I mean, she's a lovely lovely woman, and she is very and she is attractive. So if you want to have sex with her, and she wants to have sex with you out there, then you should do it. If you both want to, go for it. But I'm probably You're putting uh, a plug in for your ex wife. Yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm not going to. And so, what are the rules in your current relationship? It's basically that uh, we can do what we want, and then. We tell each other, and uh, we will tell each other like I'll, I'll vague stuff initially. Be like, "Hey, I hooked up with somebody," and then if the person wants to know more, be like, "You know, under what circumstances? Where? Who? Did you know them? How did you meet them? Uh, what did you do specifically?" Like any of those things are fair. Like I will, I'm happy to share as little or as much as she wants to know, and same here. And, and in general, how much do you guys want to know? Uh, I am curious. Uh, like there hasn't there haven't been a lot of it. We've been together less than a year. Okay. Uh, so it hasn't happened a ton, but uh, uh, I have asked like for as much as she wants to tell me, and I, I'm also comfortable for whatever she doesn't want to tell me. Um, and so, but and because it's more my thing, like she can't. She's coming from a place where she's like, I love you, and this makes sense. Uh, it's not my. She's like, it's not my bag initially, but I want to be with you, so I'm I'm willing to certainly give it a shot. And a lot of people have said to that. Like, sometimes people are like, hey, you know, she's just hoping that you're going to, she's going to change your, I was actually on another podcast, Keith and the Girl in New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I was telling them about this right after we had this, our initial conversation, and they were like, she's just, I think Keith was like, she's just going to, you know, she's just hoping that you're changing your mind. She's going to stay with you. And uh, my girlfriend actually listened to that, and she told me, she's like, I'm not hoping that. I understand. She's, she's an adult. She's a human being who can make her own decisions. I'm not like a paternalistic, sexist jerk. I'm not putting one over on her. I'm telling her completely the truth. Uh, everything about what I want, and she can make the decision whether she wants to be with me. And if at some point she decides that it's not for her, then she can tell me that, and I can decide if she, if we should still be together or if we shouldn't. Like we, we both get to decide what we want, what we deserve, and what we will take. Do you um, spread your emotional intimacy out as well? Uh, thus far, like, I have not had, like, any other relationships uh, specifically. I have not. Uh, the one, one of the people that I did hook up with since we started this thing was, like, an ex-girlfriend who lived in another city. Uh, who I have, you know, who I've been friends with. Like, I was friends with before we dated. We dated for a, a short time while we lived in the same city. Then she moved away. We kept in touch. Uh, and, the, you know, it just was a person who I still had caring feelings for and we were in the same city and uh, and something happened and I I told her about it uh, I told my girlfriend about it like right when I got back and it was that was actually the first the first one that was the first thing that happened 
And so I was nervous. You know, I didn't know how she was going to react. But I mean, like, the worst case scenario is she is sad. And we learn that either it's not for her, it's not for us. But it was surprisingly, she was like, okay. Because before this, like, before we were, like, exclusive, you know, obviously neither of us knew what the other one was doing necessarily. Like, you know, we, we knew we cared about each other and we're spending a lot of time together. But before we had to talk about whether we were monogamous or not, uh, she told me that she was like, oh, I wondered, like, if you, I knew one time you seemed like you were going to go out on a date with somebody and I was, like, a little nervous or a little, uh, you know, con- I, I was just like, ah, I don't know what, I don't know what's happening. And she's like, I don't, you know, I don't, you don't, you didn't, ha- you didn't do anything wrong, but I'm just telling you that's how I felt. And I'm like, oh, well, how do we try to avoid that? And the way that we're avoiding it is actually, is I thought maybe the don't ask, don't tell way would be good. But for her, she was like, I want to know when something happens, because that way, when you don't tell me anything, I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry any time yeah. until you tell me something. And then, even then, it's over. It's like, it happened. And she's like, great. I mean, and she loved, like, we right. love each other. Well, I think the fear is, I imagine the fear is the loss of the connection, so as long as the person... Well, what's one of the fears? Yeah. So as long as the person is communicating with you... Like, I recently had a thing with my boyfriend... And it can strengthen the connection. Yeah. In actuality. Where it- I, for... I couldn't figure out why. And I mean, I came to sort of get a little clarity on it. But I was... I just was so angry at him. And I... But I, it was almost like a dream. This is your current boyfriend? My current boyfriend, How yeah. long have you guys been together? Uh, we've been together a little bit over a year. And this was, like, a couple months ago. And, like I said, it was, like, a dream in that nothing that I could point to warranted this explosion of of anger that I felt. And I just, I couldn't figure it out. And it was really bothering me. And I'm not someone who's, like, super, I don't, uh, not that anyone relishes anger, but I really am uncomfortable with with anger as a feeling. I love it! Um, but so anyway, I, I just told him because I felt like I can't pretend that I'm not feeling this. It was almost like I was turning to him as my friend to help me figure out this problem with my boyfriend. That's great. And he was actually, he said to me later that he was like, you know, I was thinking about just how well and how, like how lucky I am to be with someone who, who expressed it that way because you weren't acting it out. You you know, you, you express or like you handled it the perfect way to handle it, which is to just to tell to talk about it. That That is if everybody could. I mean, it's it's not easy. Like it's it's work to figure out what you have to do. But once you realize like, you know, you, know, you ever you're with somebody and you're like, you have a negative feeling, you something they do that you don't like. Like, you're like, oh, I've never mind. I'll just forget. But then it yeah. blows up late. Like, say what the truth is. And it. You know, like the truth shall set, shall set you free. Like it's really, every time I've been like worried about something, and I then share that I was worried, you it lifts the weight from you. It does. Like I mean, I'm not trying to say that I like know everything or that I'm better than anybody, but it's just I'm just saying like I figured out how I can live easier in a relationship. Is like sometimes you're in a relationship and you don't think you should be, but you're like, should I be? Should I not be? Like I've had girlfriends where. We're like, yeah, I thought about, I, th- I thought we, maybe we should break up last week. And like, she's like, I thought we should break up three, three weeks ago. Like, and you, you can still then figure out, should we break up? Like, that's, there's no, some people have, the problem I think a lot of people have is that they, they're on a track. They're like, we're heading towards forever. We're heading towards marriage. And oh, a problem, that's getting in the way. Forget about that. Don't address a problem. Because right. we don't want problems. But if you address a problem, then that's when it can go away or you figure out how big it is. I think there's this, people have this idea that the way to be happy is to only talk about happy things. 
and that's actually the way to be unhappy. Yeah, I, I was I was definitely like that. I think the first time, the first moment of like extreme sadness. I mean, as, as an adult, mm-hmm. my ex, the, the most extreme sadness I ever felt was after my divorce, which. I had been. I'm a very, you know, I'm a, I'm a rational-minded person, like m- potentially more thinky than feely. Like I have emotions, but I think about them in like in in this sort of compartmentalized way. Sometimes. Are you an INFJ? Uh, what is that? Oh, that's the Myers Briggs personality sort of thing. It's oh, I like don't know. ENFP or it's uh, I or E is introvert, extrovert. Yeah, and then N versus F is maybe. I forget what near they all or far, are. like Grover. Yeah, exactly. And then um, no, one of them, it's like perceiving versus thinking or feeling okay. versus judging. Yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah. It's just you can take the quiz and then it'll be like you should be a male nurse. I will. <laughs> Not <laughs> be a male nurse. I'll take the quiz. Yeah, yeah you should in, be in high school career counseling. They used to make us do this, but anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, uh, but one of them is more more uh, rational thinking, judging, and one is more just feeling and like I'm an amoeba and I soak up everything. Oh yeah, so I was when I got divorced. Uh, I was like, okay, this is, I rationally knew that it was the right thing for both of us. And then I just, this sadness hit me. I, I was like for three days just reeling, like with, you know, un- uncontrollable, like, you know, b- bouts of crying and like just. My be- reaction is just three days? I mean, it's, I, w- I guess that's me. <laughs> but okay. yeah. I mean, I, I was like sad for longer than that, but I'm saying like. Right, I, I've never like been, inconsolable. I've never been out of control of my emotions like that. Oh, yeah. Like. I like now even if I get sad now for a reason I'm like good that's that's what you should feel you're allowed to feel it sometimes when you're sad and you get out of control like now you're sad that you're sad you're mm-hmm. mad at yourself for yes. not being in control oh, I relate and to, I read so much what you're saying yeah and so I think it's important to be able to let yourself off the hook for like obvious like sometimes I'll be in a bad mood and I won't know why and then I'll trace back my memory to be like oh because I made this this plan and that plan and I'm worried about getting from there to there and I'm missing my flight or doing this and I'm like oh and then I'm like at least okay maybe I'll still miss my flight but now I know why right. I feel like yeah, this. no I feel despair when I'm can't figure out when I feel uh, buffeted around by emotion by my emotions that I can't figure out why like that just I can't I hate that and I hate. Like, I'm on vacation right now this week, mm-hmm. and I've just been feeling kind of antsy and unhappy, and I'm like, God damn it, I'm spending a day of my vacation not feeling like, woohoo, I should be, like, on a beach or something. And then it's like, I just tell myself, just, just, just trust it. Just be. Because, like, what a completely self-absorbed, narcissistic activity to be sitting there being like, I should be happy, I should be happy, why am oh, I yeah, not that's, happy? That, but that that's is, me. That- I mean, it's not useful, but it's not a rational, you know, you're, we're not rational beings. Like right. there's a book by a guy named Dan Ariely called Predictably Irrational. And it's like a, a psychological, I think, not a study, but it's like a, a, just a book about all these different ways in which humans can be pointed to like, here's what humans will do all the time, even though it is not in their interest. Like, I'm going to write that down because yeah, I'm oh, going to have to go read that. Check it out. Predictable Irrationality? Yeah. Uh, predictably Irrational. Predictably Irrational. Uh, and... It, but yeah, obviously nobody is in complete control of their emotions and thoughts all the time. But I, I that was like the, one of the first times that I, I think I learned like because before that I would have been like, hey, good news all the time, everybody. If something's bad, no, don't worry about that. Like I just say the good things. I think the good things. I feel the good. You mm-hmm. you want to put yourself forward. like I'm a happy person, right, guys? Hey, good. Yeah, and then but, you just cram all the darkness to the side. And so this, and I haven't had tons of darkness. Like I mean, one a therapist that I went to in college suggested that I didn't deal with my parents' divorce, uh, and I don't know if I have yet, but I think I think I'm doing okay. But. Nah. 
I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you probably don't. But uh, <laughs> you out there listening, not you, my new best friend. Right. But I, th- this was the first moment in my adult life that I was like, oh, yeah, be sad. Like, definitely just rolling into the skid, right? You know, like, right. don't Steer go further it. out of control. Like, this is what's happening. You can't control it. Like, the, the only comparable other time of my life that I felt that out of control and bad was when I took double the amount of mushrooms that I should and had a horrible mushroom trip. When well, I've, I, I normally... I've, like, I have 99% good mushroom experiences. I've never done mushrooms. I recommend them to people who want to and do the research and uh, think that... I would like to know what it is like. I mean, I've, I've heard it described as you're lucid, but you have no ego anymore. Have you smoked pot? Yes. It's not... I mean... It, and some, I've, sm- yeah. I've smoked way too much pot. At, like, I don't enjoy pot anymore at all. Um, I'm, I'm also not a huge fan. Yeah. But, but people... Uh, I mean, for people who like it, great. The idea of just smoking a little bit and, like, everything's more fun and funny and silly, great. For me, I was almost always hallucinating. I sm- like, I just would smoke. This is when I was in college and everyone was smoking out of bongs. And I would cough out a hit and then it'd be like, I'll see you guys in 12 hours. And not really that long, but I just was always way too fucked up. Like, it didn't feel mild at all. So I feel like because I've had that experience, I suspect, well, no. Here's what is you it can, real different? Here's what you can do with mushrooms is, number one, like... Every the people that I have gotten mushrooms from uh, throughout throughout life, you know, I'm not not to out anybody specific, but they usually know what they're doing as far as like, hey, here's a bag full of this much. It weighs this much. It's this um, it's this volume, whatever it is. Right, dealers. And this, yeah, you pay a certain amount for it, and then you say, hey, how much is this? How many people is this for? And they could be like, that could be for three people to have a pretty good time, or two people to have, like, a really intense time, or one person who really knows what they're doing to, you know, do the thing that they know that know that they're doing. Like, so if you took, there's, like, a standard portion for one person, and if you take that, then you'd have the experience, the normal experience, if that, you know, the normal mushroom experience. Or you could take half that. You could just try a little bit, and, like, usually when the when I, when I take them and they start to kick in, it's, like, it's gradual. So, like, the fir- but if you don't take as much, then the gradual part is all you'll get. It'll just be like, oh, like a little tingly, a little happy, like a little, you'll feel these, like what I call like pre-epiphanies, you know? Like you're like, you start having these thoughts and you're like, oh, is this it? And if you're on your way to like a regular normal trip, then you're like, oh, it's not it. And then it comes in waves and then like, it's just, I like my mouth, like my, it'll get into, I feel like it'll get into my head. But does it change your perception or does it change your thoughts or neither? For me, it normal. I mean, more my. Th- I don't hallucinate visually, other than like most of the time. If you look at something like with a pattern, it might look like it's moving or wavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I will. What I believe it does is like sort of uh, turn off or shut down a little bit of like some of the pathways. Like it it, fo- it hones in on some pathways in your head, uh, and th- and it's positive. Like it actually has the same kind of effect that some like electroshock therapy that is now coming back in vogue does uh-huh. like and both of these things are i think mushrooms there have been a bunch of studies recently that show even one like controlled like a uh, specific amount of mushrooms can improve somebody like cure not cure but like improve depression or anxiety for like a year or forever like there are people i mean for years it can change your perception even after you're off of it like after you're off of your oh that's a thing that That's I felt while I was on it, and I can still feel it. I can make, right. I can recall it. So, what happened when you had the bad trip? Uh, that I did did too much, and I, it was great for a little while, and then it just kept. 
I, I became out of control of my emotions again. And, like, I w- it would go from happy to sad. Like, what normally happens is if you're in a good place, if you're in a good mood, like, then the good things will amplify. If you have a lot of things that you're worried about, like, it's not a good way to avoid your problems. It's a good way to be like, hey, I got nothing to do today. Everything's pretty much under control. I took care of all my business. And now I'm going to go look at trees, you know, yeah. with some friends who also enjoy this business. Uh, and... But if you have, like, if you were, like, going through a breakup or you had a hard time in your relationship, like, you might, it sort of, it can just amplify what's there. Uh, so the, I don't know if, but, and then if you take too much, it can just, just do whatever. Like, so I'd say, listen to the recommended dosage, uh, or, and take that or less the first time. Like, don't be worried. Do it with people who, like, somebody who's done it before your first time would be good. Like, have, like, a shaman, you know, like, a group leader, a spirit animal. Uh, somebody who like like I love doing it with I've done it with some friends who had only done it like once or twice or not at all and I'm like this will be and they're like they're, they're open minded they're having a good time and I'm like and they they're like now I'm feeling like this I'm like and that is fine like it's again it's like everything's okay like if you think you're freaking out like just you know open up share like if you want to sit alone for a while that's fine like everything which is a better city for it New York or L A uh, honestly in New York I'm trying to think like how would you even get away from off I live the near grid? Prospect Park so oh, I, I okay. like to go in there. Sometimes I'll just, I mean, I did, I did it with a friend a few months ago, and we started in my place. It was, like, super hot. It was, like, you know, super hot summer. So we did them in my place with the air conditioning and hung out there for a few hours. And then as it got to be, like, late, like late afternoon, we went to Prospect Park and, did, you know, just, I think, walked a little bit and then just lay down there. And we're like, you know, look at trees, talk to each other. For me, it's very mental. Like, I'm a very, you know, there's a lot of stuff in my mind frequently all the time. And so when I'm on Mushrooms... Like, I will, if I'm with friends, like, you know, we'll, I can listen to, I love listening to people too, but it's like a very big, nice exchange of ideas, of funny things, of like life philosophies, of, uh, and it, in, in some ways it makes me more, more confident. Like I'll, even afterwards, like I'll be like, oh, that was, it's sort of life affirming. I'm like, I think I'm on the right track. I think I'm thinking good things. I think I'm doing what I want to do. And then like, I'll go into a show and be like, hey everybody, here's what I learned from the trees today, you know? See, I would love some kind of life-affirming, confidence, kindling situation, but... Well, let's do it. <laughs> Next time I'm in town. But how does it do that, though? Or how or why? Because I could... Or, and, and is there the, the chance that it's going to go the other way, where you're just going to be like, um, I am now questioning everything that comes out of my mouth. Is it the drugs talking? Is it me? And I'm nervous and uh, I feel guilty. I will answer the question of whether it's the drugs talking. Like... I mean, think about alcohol. Like, when people say, oh, like, when, you know, Mel Gibson, when he was like, Jews, like, I was drunk. Well, no, that most, came from the bottle. Yeah, most drunk people don't do that. Right. Like, that's something that's in you. Like, so anything that comes out when you're on a substance, it's not just the thing. Yeah. It's like... It's I, you on the thing, It's right? you. I mean, it's you saying the things and thinking the things. Like, and there could be dark parts of yourself that come out. It's just, like, I have a friend who says whenever he does them, she's only done them a few times, but she gets, like, her friends are like, you're kind of bitchy. And, she, <laughs> and it's weird because she's, you know, she's like a, a sweet person. And she's a good person in general. So I'm like, I kind of want to do it with her and be like, ah, I want to see if this happens. Right. And if I can help, you know, put that aside. But to answer the question of, like, you know, it's your brain on that thing. One of the things I was going to say before also, which ties into this, is food. Like, sometimes when I'm like, am I, why am I so mad? And I'm like, I haven't eaten today. Like, that can, lacking food, lacking, you know, because you need food, and if you don't have it, your body is wrong. Your body's like, oh, this is no good. Get, and then I'll get food, and then I'll be like, oh, even all the, the problems that I had before I didn't have the food exist, but you're like, oh, this is okay. 
Yeah. I'm good. Or waking up from a bad dream and you're like, oh, what's wrong? And you're like, oh, it was that dream. Let me just remember that I'm in real life now. But the thing with food is food is technically it alters your mind. It's a mind-altering substance. And, like, so mushrooms are just – it's a food with a thing in it. Like, you know, chocolate has the same thing as love in it, you know, like chemical-wise. Like, it makes your in- endorphins go. Like, and so mushrooms, the psilocybin has a thing that makes – Everything that you put into your body makes your body slightly different. But it's still you. It's still your body. It's still your mind. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I, maybe I will someday. I still have the fear, though. I understand. Well, we'll next I'm time. I'm kind of a control yeah. freak, too, though. I also... With my, you are, too? I mean, I am general... I was... De- I mean, I didn't do any... I didn't smoke pot or do anything until, like, 24 years old-ish. What prevented you? Were you straight edge? Did you? Was no, that a like I was just like my parents were like, don't smoke, don't do drugs, don't drink, and I sort of I never I've never smoked a cigarette. Uh, I'm sure maybe like a marijuana cigarette that I've had somebody has passed me probably had tobacco in it, but I've like never never smoked just a tobacco cigarette uh, because I never felt like I wanted to, and I couldn't. I feel like I could now, but it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, I didn't really drink until in college. I went to some parties and drank, and I was so I didn't just listen to my parents. I wasn't like I was you know testing the theories i'm like i think drinking a drink is okay you know and then i learned drinking a lot and then i drank a lot one time and got super hung over and threw up and i was like oh not in that order i got got really yeah. drunk threw up woke up biggest headache and i was like oh don't do that again and then i've done that again like maybe a couple times but most of the time i don't drink to the point of throwing up and like you know you can you figure out your limits you can read about what people have done before you know you can know technically how dangerous a drug is to your system like alcohol or caffeine or pot or heroin. You know, like we know in general what these things do, but society is out to scare people and be like, everything is the same and it's bad and it's dangerous. So, but for me, I was like, I grew up on this sort of like, I'm high, I'm happy, I'm happy the way I am, right? Who needs, who needs the drug? Like kids offered me like pot when I was walking home through the woods sometimes and I'd be like, no thanks. And they'd be like, fine. Like even the, the propaganda is wrong. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, kids are going to try to force this. Like I've rarely, like nobody wants to just right, force Right, it's not it. really a dare Take the ad. drugs. Yeah. Take them. Like, yeah, I know. I know. I, I never have felt peer pressured to do drugs. I, I actually, I mean, I actually was peer pressured, but by my, the woman who became my wife, but it, only in the way that she was like, I think she's like, I'm a musician, and I love creating on pot. Like, you – she didn't say it like that, probably. That's not the way <laughs> pot people talk. And they don't call themselves pot people. Right, but, no. Uh, the attack of the pot people. She, but she was like, you are – you know, I think I, – I don't know if I was a comedian yet or just a musician, but I was also a musician. And she's like, I think it's really cool to create on this thing. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And she's like, why not do it? And part of the reason why not, I was like, because what if I have kids and I want to tell them not to do it? Well, you tell kids <laughs> Hello, not to do... Hello, just why? Yeah. You tell them not to do a lot of stuff, and they... You, adults could do things that kids can't do. And I could be like, well, you'd be like, oh, I never did pot until I was 23, so when you're 23, you can do pot, you know? And... Dad, like I mean, at this point, I think if I have kids, I would be like, look, there's obviously I'm not going to be. It's a question of the same thing with the polyamory, actually, or the non-monogamy is like you're going to have the urges, like so why not put the the me- mechanisms in place to be the most protective of the things that are important, like parents who are like, hey, you're gonna don't go to a party and get wasted and drive home. If you're gonna if you get wasted, call Calling, us. If yeah. you know that kind of thing. But yeah, so I eventually reason- rationalized myself into being like, there's nothing wrong with trying pot once. 
And it took me a while, but I definitely came to it. And I was like, oh. And then it was, I had some fine experiences, and then some not. And then, like, the next year, I think, mush- mushrooms came into our, like, field of vision. And we were like, oh. But, and I'd, I'd read about them, and it sounded cool. And it was like, I knew, I read that, it, I, I learned that it wasn't dangerous. Like, they are the least dangerous. Like, pot, mushrooms uh, are at the lowest end of the spectrum for act- being able to kill you. Like, you can't overdose on those things, really. Like, if you take the right amount. Like, heroin, if you take the right amount, that's almost the wrong amount. Like, the, there's, I saw a list once of, I like, drugs. I think that's the point, yeah. I mean, but just the amount of drugs that you need to get the high in heroin is almost as much as it needs to kill you. Pot, I don't know if there is an amount that'll kill you, but it's way, it's way more than you'd ever want. Yeah, I like, think it's more than it's physically possible to take. Alcohol is like, alcohol and cocaine are, like, right in the middle, according to this study that I saw once. That alcohol and cocaine, you know, there's a reasonable amount that'll make you feel a certain way. And if you take, you know, some amount more than that, that you could take, you might die of alcohol yeah. poisoning or your heart will or stop or whatever. Yeah. Um, were you and your wife in a band together? No, we were both. Uh, I had my, I started before I did comedy as a, like, I was a singer songwriter and I played like some music with a, with a good friend of mine that I grew up with. And then now I play with uh, another fellow comedian and friend. And are, is your music funny now? Now, yeah. I mean, originally it wasn't all funny, but there were some funny songs, and some of it was just quirky or whatever. What was the name you performed under? Uh, the the original one when I was like a, from teenage years, uh, it was I think we called ourselves "My Grandfather Was a Spy," mm-hmm. which was also the name of one of my songs, which was based on something that I thought about my grandfather uh, that he was a spy. You guys get it. Yeah. Um, and now I just perform with a guy named Micah. So we, we called ourselves the Micah Mike Club for a while. But I think our, our album that's coming out will just be under the names Mike Kaplan and Micah Sherman. Okay. Or, or we, Micah Sherman and Mike we'll Kaplan. Check that out. I think it might be time to do Topic Sombrero. It's the Topic, Topic Sombrero. We asked for topics and you sent them in. It's the Topic. Topic Sombrero Now pick a topic and let's begin It's the Topic Sombrero Okay, what is the toughest audience for an entertainer? I always think of drunks and old people. You can answer that first. What do you think? Uh, I will say that the toughest audience is one that doesn't want to be there. One that doesn't know that there is a show, maybe. Like, uh, that sometimes there's these impromptu places like, hey, we're going to do a show. Oh. An audience, so I like, just that's... wanted to eat dinner. Like, that kind of thing? Exactly. Like, I, the best audience is one that comes to a place knowing what the show is, wanting to be there. And the worst audience is the opposite of that. Like, there are, I've had great crowds that are, old, that are full of old people. Like, it's always a little surprising to me when an old person is like, I loved it! Because, but that's a little, you know, it's sort of ageism, mm-hmm. but it's the idea that old people don't have the same, you know, that you won't relate References, in yeah. some way. But, uh, you know, they might not get my Final Destination joke, mm-hmm. but they could still enjoy jokes about, you know, being human. We've all been human. We all do. We all have sex, and we all have sex jokes. You know, whatever. You're old, you probably know even more about that stuff. You probably mm-hmm. you have a lot more life experience. Uh, and drunk people, like, that, sometimes, you know, a, a crowd with no alcohol is worse than with some alcohol. But definitely, if there's, like, the late-night, you know, rowdy drunk crowd, yeah, that is also unpleasant sometimes. But can be good and manageable. Yeah, and I would say, um, see, you went a level further with the whole crowd that 
doesn't even know there's a show. Mm-hmm. I've never had that experience, and I imagine it would be difficult because I I'm the kind of person who, if I'm somewhere, I'm like, oh god, there's a band. Uh, not if I'm going to see a band play, right? But, if, just, but you... like if I'm at a restaurant or at a something where I just wanted to catch up with a friend, and then all of a sudden there's like loudness in the corner. I hate that I've become that old and I'm that person, but I am. But, but at least at least with music, music can be background. Like yes. you can be at a place and you're not rude for talking at a bar where there's a band playing. Right. But if there's comedy, then technically when there's a comedy show happening, talking, yeah, yeah, don't be talking if you're in the audience. But if you were like, I just wanted to be at this bar talking, then you're not doing anything wrong. Some, there's like a miscommunication and that and it's bad for everybody. Yeah. But in terms of performing on a stage, I think my least favorite crowd is a real non-responsive crowd. Oh, yeah. Where you can actually, especially if it's a club that's, well, like I, I feel like, because I do a lot of live podcasts now. Sure. So I, and those are usually in clubs that aren't, meant necessarily for stand-up so you can see the audience well they can see you and if i see a look on their face that's like this is not this is not being conveyed to listener imagine it guys yeah imagine a look of just kind of boredom or like uh i don't know but then again i think that probably i don't affect a certain expression on my face when i'm watching something when i'm in the audience my mind might wander I'm a, and and I, I probably was having a great time, though. That's the thing. So I think the fault is actually in me reading anything into their faces. But, of course, if you're on stage, you want to see people who are just, di- like, tears rolling down their face, and they're just having the best time, and they're connecting with you. Mark Marin has a great joke from one of his, like, earlier CDs about seeing a guy in the front row, like, looking, just to paraphrase, he was like, this, he, was, like he focused on this guy who looked like he was having the worst time, that he was angry, that he would be mad and, like, confront me and yeah. want to beat me up. After the, and after the show, that guy was like... Uh, hey man, great show! And then he, and Mark was like, "I just made up that guy who hated me in my head." Like, yes. so definitely, I mean, it, exactly what you said. You want the audience to be reacting visibly, audibly, but if they're not, it doesn't mean they're not having fun. Yeah, yeah, that's more about your uh, needs as a performer, as a human being, than about whether you're doing a good show. One of my one of my favorite experiences is sometimes like I'll do a show and it'll go well. And then some every like, but you know, maybe not as well as every, I don't know. It'll I'll do a show and I'll be happy, and then people will come up to me after and be like, "Hey, man, I really loved it. I'm sorry that everybody else wasn't." Oh, as I hate like, that. But sometimes, <laughs> have you ever had a show where like the majority of the people say that they're like, "I was the only one enjoying." Like everybody thinks they're the only one, and yeah. that can't be the case. I know. But my reaction to hearing that would be, "What are you talking about? What do you know?" Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But I think, and I think that they, they're trying to be nice. Yeah. Like, there's been times where I've seen, this is more about seeing a band, um, but I have felt like, oh, I love them so much. What's wrong with the rest of these people that they're not showing it? Exactly. And so if you are super into someone, you want the rest, you feel a, you feel like a member of the audience and you feel a duty for the whole audience to, like, make them a hero or you, something. You've been on both sides. Like, you see, you see that happen to somebody. You see somebody, like, walk by and they're like, yeah, that was pretty good. What do you mean pretty good? Yeah. That it was, was the best very... thing ever. Yeah. 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 Now, how do you feel about sizes of your audience? Because I like fat people. No, go on. Okay, yeah. yeah. I like pear-shaped. Yeah. No, I have recently become fixated on slash way too obsessed with, uh, that was a unnecessary, uh, you got some it. redundant words. I've, be, I've been obsessing on how many people come out to my, not to the Adam Carolla live shows, but to the Alison Rosen's Junior Best Friend live shows. Sure. 
And I don't think it's doing me any good to obsess on it, but I, I feel this fear beforehand that somehow if some certain amount isn't reached, I will, everyone will realize I'm a fraud or something. Like it's very, I get this desperate, oh my God, we have to get people here. Oh my God, feeling that is doing me no good. That is, I mean, that is a common experience, number one. I mean, some sometimes when I go places, I, you know, the club is expected to, like, you know, depending on where you are in your career, if you're not the draw, then it's not your, you know, you always want to have the biggest, best audience. Sometimes the biggest audience isn't the best audience, right. especially for you, I'm sure, if you're doing a show, people are coming because they know, hopefully, who you are yes. and why they're coming, yes. which is great. And then you want as many of those people as possible. Uh, in a comedy club, like, if it's in a great city with a great club with a good scene. And right, they, they know might it, just be there to see comedy. And But they could, and they, and they trust that the club will put on good comedy, and then they do, and then they're happy. Uh, then great. Like, I'm going to Minneapolis where they have a wonderful club uh, in September. They have the club all the time. I'm going there in September. Uh, <laughs> it's a pop-up club. This club is wonderful yeah, in it's September. It's a school yeah. club. Boop. But, uh, but yeah, so I went, and there, obviously, I don't go, I'm not, like, I don't, every person that's there is not there to see me, but they're there to see good comedy, and they trust the place, and I love the place, and it's great. Uh, it's called Acme, and it's wonderful. But, uh, but yeah, sometimes you can, I think you should definitely, this is another time, you should let yourself off the hook for that desperate, like, you should do everything that you can to control what you can to get people there, you know, and then once it's out of your control, like, we've done everything, then worrying about the results of it, which I do, too, which I do, I don't get, people are like, do you get nervous before shows? I get nervous sometimes when it's an important show, afterwards. I'll be like, I'll prepare, 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 do it, and then I'm like, now I can't undo anything. Now everything is as it was, and it goes out into oh, the world, yeah. and now how are people going to receive it? How are they going to comment on it? How many followers am I going to get? How many yeah. of this and that? What are people going to hate? Uh, and I can't, I, up, up until it happens, you can do something. Uh, so I feel like you should, you know, focus that energy, obviously, into, and I'm sure you are, doing everything that you can to get well, the word out. And then I wonder, uh, the key to getting more and more people there, is it to do a lot of shows or is it to do fewer shows? That, I mean, for no your, one your purposes, answer, right? yeah, I, are different than mine. Yeah. Though I guess, I mean... For certain places, like if, if you, I mean, you're doing a different show every time, obviously. I am, but so far I've only, with my show, I've only done LA. Sure. So, and I, I know that I should be getting further away. There's no shoulds, but you can. Probably it would be good too. But I don't know, you know, if I keep doing LA frequently, is that good? Or is it like people think, oh, I can just see her in a month or whatever. Anyone listening, I have no live shows planned right now, so make sure to come to the next one. Do you, I mean, do you get feedback from people? Like, do, I mean. People, yeah, people like it. So I think they like it, and the end there are repeat, uh, you know, people come to each one. How often do you do them? Uh, so I've done three, and the first one was in May. So I did May, and then I did June, and then I did August. I took a month off in between. Okay, I mean, like once a month is like a fine time, I think, to do. I mean, some people have weekly shows that have yeah. regulars, like. And then the idea is to ultimately, obviously, build an audience enough that everybody doesn't have to come every time. Like, there's these guys in, in the Boston area who put on shows maybe every, like, three or four months. And then they have, like, a, a mailing list of, like, I don't know, thousands and thousands of people. And they just need, like, four or five hundred to come mm -hmm. every time they do it. So it'll be some the same, some different. And I mean, if you can get to that point, obviously, you perform in a venue where you hope you can max it out. And then eventually, if you ma keep maxing it out... You can do more frequent shows, or you can move to a bigger place. Like, there's so many options. Like, especially if you have fans that come every time, then great. And if you have people who are like, I'll come next time, then that's great, too. Like, some people only go to one show every six months. 
Like, right. regardless of how many options there are for other shows. They'll be like, or maybe they'll be like, I'll go to your show every time you're in town. You're in town once a year. Great. Uh, oh, now you're in town twice a year? Well, we'll just go once a year. Or we'll go twice a year. Like, I don't think there's any... If you're doing shows as frequently as you want and you're getting people there, then what's the problem? Mm, that doesn't work with my way of thinking. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. Uh, Go A-R-I-Y-N-B-F says, when I can't understand what someone said, I give up after saying what twice and then pretend I heard what they said. Yes, I do that too. For some reason, I don't... And I remember this as a little kid as well with babysitters uh, who would say something and I couldn't understand it. I don't want... For some reason, like it makes me very nervous to say what a third or fourth or fifth time because I feel like I'm just having the same stupid conversation over and over. And I don't ever really do that thing though, where I'm like, just spell it. And I, people have done that to me though. And I don't mind when they do that, but it's almost actually, I would hate for, to think that someone's just nodding when they didn't understand what I said. And yet I am the person who will do that. I am always in favor of ask. I would ask in a different way. I'd be like, maybe the third time I'd be like, I am so sorry. I am not hearing the thing you're saying. Can you please say it slower or in a different way? Like, I'm put it on yourself. Be like, I'm you know, nobody's to blame here. Yeah. Like, I don't, you're, you don't, you're not necessarily mumbling. Like, I'm just, I'm not hearing you. It's like that, you know, that Mitch Hedberg joke about that. It's like, sometimes I'll mumble and people say, what? Uh, mumble and then they won't hear me. I say, what? Until I'm saying louder, louder. Like, I was, I was just some insignificant shit. So eventually I'm, I'm yelling, that tree is far away. <laughs> I remember I had a, uh, an ex-boyfriend at the time he was a boyfriend. He was a um, a world-class mumbler on the phone, especially Guinness record. Yes, exactly. The I Adam only Carolla do extreme things. Yeah. Um, although I remember at one point he was still friends with his ex-girlfriend, and I was with him, and she called, and I heard her say, "Call me back when you feel like enunciating," <laughs> into the phone. But anyway, I was talking to him on the phone and I kept saying oh I I can't hear you I can't hear you and he was getting more and more upset at the connection on the phone sure and it was all because I wouldn't just say no it's not the connection that's fine it's that I can't understand you but instead I just kept saying I can't hear you so we were both not communicating agreed you were mumbling conceptually exactly okay Let's see here. Travis Corkery says, I refuse to share dairy products with people. If a close friend wants a sip of my beer, no problem. A sip of my milk? No. Uh, you drink milk by the glassful? I'm a vegan. Right. So uh, this question is uh, sort of N.A., not yeah. applicable for me. No, but I was saying that to Travis because oh, yeah, I he, don't either. But this, what, if, what if you were drinking some almond milk? Almond uh, breeze, say. I would share. No problem. I mean, this guy, that sounds weird. I think, I, think, weird? I think that's just that person. I, um, I, I can understand. I guess it's, it, you know, it's, I don't know whether I would share or not, but it w- I think it would be weird if someone said, could I have a sip of your milk? Sure. I can't imagine that scenario. But here's the thing. I mean, I could understand people who like don't share anything, right? Like yeah. a germaphobe or just like, you know, like, hey, get your own thing or whatever. Like, but I, I don't want to say everything has to be all or nothing. Like you can do that. You're allowed to have that rule. But I feel my, my estimation is that most people don't share beer and not milk. I think you're probably right. 
Okay, Dan the Dodge says, While driving and picking my nose, I fear I'll get in an accident and jam my finger up into my brain. Um, I don't have that one, but I do have a lot of, I believe the actual term is morbid ideation. And I read once that people are tend to be to have more morbid ideation when they're overtired because it was like 5 in the morning and I remember I was sewing something. I don't know why. It was some early morning sewing situation. Uh, I had to be somewhere. I had to sew a button. And I kept thinking, like, what if I just jammed these needles into my eyes or something? And then I was like, why am I thinking this? But anyway, that's not the point. The point is, if I ever walk around with a spoon in my mouth or anything like that, I always, that, then I'm worried, what if I trip and uh, lodge this into my brain? So I sort of have a similar thing. You? I, I, do, I don't, I have a similar thing to, I think one time I wanted to, like, drop a rock on my foot and hurt myself. Like, as a kid, I think I was in a bad, I don't know if I was tired or just sad, but, uh, Never, I've not worried about the accidental thing. Like, I mean, I'm I'm a little cautious. I I don't walk around with a spoon in my mouth generally. Mm-hmm. I uh, it's not like all the time or anything. I, I'm just saying it, it has happened to me in my apartment or something. Sure, I mean, I, I'm yeah. That's not weird. You you're allowed to do that. I just I don't think I do. I mean, I don't ha- remember having those thoughts. And I, I don't think I pick my nose in the car for fear. That means of, you do it in public. Uh, no, I I, I do I, with my tinted windows. Okay, alrighty, and I think now. It is time for a little segment that we call... Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Okay, so um, I do a little uh, introduction to the episode, and I always address people as um, as some kind of carbohydrate. Like, hey, my little pineapple upside-down cakes, or hey, my little this, or hey, my little that, or whatever. And each time I come up with a new one, and they get more and more far-fetched. Um, so this... That's just some background. Uh, thank you. Uh, for this comment, which, by the way, uh, the ones that he mentions in the comment are not really ones I've used, but no matter. Okay. My apple... This is, this is the comment. This came in on my blog. My apple fritters, my Cinnabons, um, stop assuming your listeners are either current or former fat people. Regular people like me, people who do not have food issues, do not appreciate being labeled a junk food that fat people have an issue with like Cinnabon or fritter. Actually, on that note, stop thinking you have to give your listeners a name, period. We are unique individuals and do not appreciate your lumping us all into some gross food category of your choosing. By the way, we do not worship you like Mariah Carey's followers worship her. She can give her followers a name and have it seem justified. You can't, as you are neither famous, rich, nor powerful. Just a so-called best friend or girl next door. So start acting that way instead of some insane famous rock star or movie star who thinks it is okay to label the people who pay some attention to her. Fuck you. Yeah, hey, go fuck yourself, motherfucker. Unless it's a joke, in which case, it's funny. Yeah. But I think it's serious. If that's serious, I think it might be serious. It is trouble, but it's a great joke. If it's really funny, yeah, you got us. Well played. You but really something makes me think it's serious. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Why? Well, it's crazy as why, well. That's the thing. Why it's are like, you what? listening to a thing that you yeah. don't want to listen to? Yeah, you stupid Twinkie. Um, <laughs> but the Mariah Carey, it just it doesn't make sense that like 
only Mariah Carey would do that. It has nothing to do with my fame level. It has to do with something that I think is funny, and it's like a funny game that I play with myself. And my listeners, and by the way, some of them, when they tweet me, they'll call me things like that, and we all think it's funny. So go I, fuck yourself. I like that they said we, like there's a bunch of them. Yeah, they're like, organized, hey. and they're tired of being called this. We, we are individuals. We are unique individuals that yeah. all feel the same way that I do right. about this thing. No, you are a unique individual in that you are weird about this issue. And nobody uh, else is. Yeah. So hey, go fuck yourself. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Um, do you need to tell anyone to go fuck themselves? No pressure if you're feeling good about things in the world. Yeah, I, I think I. I mean, there's certainly people who could stand to have themselves go get fucked, but nobody. Speci- I like. I like to put positive energy in the world more. Yeah, I do too, but I also like to tell people to go fuck themselves. I if- like your segment as well. I do <laughs> like it. <laughs> Thank you. I, here's the thing. I'll say. To anyone who has recently, uh, or I guess at any point, but more recently, has called me smug, which has happened a few times. Because, On Twitter they call you this? Or, uh, or in, like, comments or, yeah. you know, various. I, it's just a thing that I get sometimes, which I, I do understand where it's coming from. But also, every time it happens, I get a little insecure about it. I'm like, oh, my God, am I? Am mm-hmm. I? Sp-? And then am I'm I like, I am exactly the opposite of smug. And I'm going to be like, fuck you. Uh, you made me insecure. The opposite of smug. I've proven you wrong, and I'm smug again. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think, not that I think smug is the worst thing to be called. Like, just, I think it's that... I come it's a across, lazy thing to be called. I come across as, and it might have happened in your in the first segment when I'm talking about things, sort of self-assuredly, being like, "Hey, this is the way I see things for myself. I'm I'm pretty happy with the way I'm choosing to do things and what I've what I've figured out. I'm not free of problems. I'm not free of concerns. I'm pretty fortunate that I've been able to do what I've done and come to the place that I am. And like I've been called." Uh, like you know, self-satisfied, and I'm like, why is that bad? I'm, I'm, I am pretty yeah. satisfied. Like I'm always looking to better myself, figure out ways to put more good in my life, and eliminate like problems and bad things. Like that's what I'm trying to. I mean, isn't that what we're all trying to do? Like, yes. if if you're not happy with what you're doing and who you are, like, don't you want to be? Like, why? Are, are I mean, if you're if you're sad, I guess. I mean, don't don't go fuck yourself. I just be good, be happy, go happy yourself. That's so smug. That's the thing is that I feel like oftentimes you can defend yourself or you can explain something, and then there's from the listeners who think that already think who think you're smug. There's going to be like a yeah, that that sounded smug. But you why know? are you even listening to me then? I know, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, and something that just occurred to me now for the first time: smug backward gums. That is great. I never I do I do stuff like that all the time. I know. I, th- I thought of it because I thought you do stuff with words and transposing letters and stuff, but I'd never thought about smug. Absolutely. One thing that I always do because uh, what's well, it's not important why, but whenever I see the word sample in my head, I think sample smapple. Because <laughs> smapple. Cause, oh, because it was a friend of mine was a writer and an editor asked her to send a writing smapple. <laughs> Ah, that that's which, an important part of that story. Exactly, yeah, and which always great. cracked me up. So, Mike Kaplan, we are we are heading towards the end here. Um, where can people find you? Is there anything they should be looking out for, etc.? I'm not exactly sure when this will air. So I'll say general things. Okay. Uh, my website is mikekaplan.com. And is, for people that don't know, but they probably will because they would have gotten this on iTunes or my website, you spell it M Y Q. 
K-I-P-L-A-N. Yeah. Yep. The smug way. Yep. The, the, very smug. Uh, I was just, the way that I, I, I chose to do it as a kid when Prince changed his name to a symbol, and I was like, that guy's weird, I'll be weird. Then he changed it back, and I'm like, no, I'm weird alone. Oh. <laughs> but uh, I'm weird alone. Hey, I never thought about that. But uh, I, yeah, so I I have it. It's easier to Google me now. That's You're the, Weird Al 1. Yeah, Weird Al 1. Weird Al 1, that, yeah. at AOL. He's Weird Al 0. <laughs> uh, weird Al T minus. Anyway. But yeah, so my website is there, and all the information about up, like you can go to my my Twitter is the same name, my you know Facebook slash YouTube, iTunes. Specifically, depending when this is, there is a new album that can be either pre-ordered or ordered of uh, music and comedy by Mike Kaplan and Micah Sherman called "Please Be Seated." My uh, first stand-up album is "Vegan Mind Meld," and that's all that has been out for a few years. And uh, you can see live shows. I have this tour dates listed on my website. And uh, so come to a and place. And your new podcast. Oh, yeah. Hanging out with me. Hang out with me. Hang out with me. Hang out with me uh, by Mike Kaplan. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Agreed. Um, and to the listeners, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, hello, perhaps you're going to buy Mike's album, which I'm sure they have on there. They do. Uh, click through the banner on my website at allisonrosen.com because that helps the show. Um, and, and go thank yourself. That's right. That's right. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. Um, I'm on Facebook. Find me at AllisonRosen.com. I already said that. And email the show A-R-I-Y-N-B-F at AdamCarolla.com. Okay. I love you guys. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for having me. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show?